When people created the assigned series of lectionary readings that we follow each Sunday, they weren't trying to match them up with any secular holidays on the calendar. So it is by chance that Abraham is the first person that we hear about in the scripture today on what is also Father's Day. And as you probably know, Abraham is really held up as the spiritual father of Jews and Muslims and Christians all throughout the world. And his name in Hebrew actually means father of a multitude of nations. So we have a lot to consider as we hear his story today. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is that Abraham is the least likely person to ever be a father. In a culture that valued parenthood almost above everything else, he and his wife, Sarai, had to suffer the humiliation, but also for them the deep sorrow of producing no offspring through all of Sarah's childbearing years. They may have held out some hope into their 40s, but then as the decades kept passing, the dream faded and the reality of old age set in for them. But then on his 75th birthday, God surprised Abram and Sarah with a call that changed everything. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, God said. I think most people would have dismissed that as a bad dream or maybe even a nightmare at age 75, but a spark of hope must have somehow touched their hearts because they both obeyed. They dared to obey that command of God. As Barbara Brown Taylor says in her version of this story, they just went, that was all, moving so often that they got their belongings down to a tent full of bare necessities. It was just the two of them after all. Once upon a time they had planned to have children, but as each year turned into the next, they learned that having a plan was not enough. Something more was required, she says, something they apparently did not have. And eventually they got used to their quiet evenings alone. I think Abram and Sarai would have given up, but God would not let them. When Abram was well into his 80s, God took him outside and said, look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And then God said, so shall your descendants be. It was crazy talk, and Abraham knew it. But that spark, that spark was still there, and he dared again to trust. He didn't bother to tell Sarah anything about this, and she didn't know this ridiculous promise. So she took matters into her own hands and urged her husband to have a child with their Egyptian slave, Hagar. And as far as Abram knew and Sarah, the son that Hagar produced was the closest thing they would ever get to the fulfillment of God's promise. And they tried to accept it as that. But God wasn't done 
On one particular occasion, when they were into their 90s, God decided to give the elderly couple new names as a reminder of what was still in store for them. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude of nations. And Sarai's name he changed to Sarah, meaning kings of people shall come from her. It sounded even more ridiculous, and peals of laughter came from both of the newly named. As Barbara Brown Taylor goes on to say, it is a hard thing to believe in a promise, to live by it day after day, to see in the night sky and to hear it in your name and to see it in your lover's eyes. It's a hard thing to believe in a promise with no power to make it come true. Everything is in the future tense, she writes. The land, the sun, the blessing. Everything will happen by and by. But in the meantime, what is there to live on now? And yet, she writes, what better way to live than in the grip of a promise, and a divine one at that. Who in her right mind would give that back? To wake every morning to the possibility that today might be the day. To remain wide awake all day long, noticing everything, to search the face of every stranger, in case it turns out to be an angel of God to take nothing for granted, or to take everything as granted, though not yet grasped. Brown's elegant words have given me a new appreciation for the surprising way that Abram and Sarah welcome these strangers who come to their door in the heat of the day. Living in the grip of God's promise, Abram jumps up, runs from his tent to greet them, and then bows down before them in the dirt. To others, these travelers may have looked just like ordinary people, but Abram addressed them in the same way that he would talk to God. My Lord, he said, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. And then he went wildly overboard in his desire to show hospitality. With Sarah, he gave them bread from choice flour, tender meat from the best calf in the herd, along with precious curds and milk. It was a gesture of hospitality that for thousands of years people have remembered, especially people who live in the grip of a promise who still trust that maybe in every stranger there might be God there with them. While Abraham sat and ate with his guests, Sarah eagerly listened from the entrance to the tent. It was her way, I think, of remaining wide awake all day long, noticing everything. And then there was more crazy talk Talk about her having a baby now within a year. 
and it made Sarah want to burst into laughter again. But she tried to contain it as much as she could, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? From your life experience, you may know a little bit of what that is like. The laugh Sarah contained, I don't think, was a ha-ha-ha kind of a laugh. I think it was more like a ha you can't be serious. Like the one we feel within us, maybe, when something seems just too outlandish, too ridiculous to be true. But God was faithful to God's promise. And when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, whose name literally means he laughs. It was a constant reminder to them of what God had said through the angels who feasted with them that day. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Maybe the lesson to be learned above all in this is the way that God keeps promises and the way that we human beings are called upon by God to hope and to keep hoping throughout every stage of our life. Near the end of her version of this story, Barbara Brown Taylor concludes, what better way to live than to handle every moment of one's life as a seed of the promise and to plant it tenderly, never knowing if this moment or the next may be the one that it grows. To live like that, she says, is to discover that the blessing is not future, but now. The promise may not be fully in hand. It may still be on the way. But to live reverently, deliberately, and fully awake, she says, that is what it means to live in the promise, where the weight itself is as rich as the end. As we go forth into these summer months, I'm very glad that we have this spirit-filled story to take with us. Some of us will be crossing the border into Mexico in a few days. Some of us will be going to do mission work in Montana very soon. Some of us will travel around the country and some around the world in the weeks and months ahead. And a lot of us will stay right here and experience the presence of God in this place. But wherever we are and wherever we go, we all have an inner journey to make with God. For some of us, this journey may begin in the suffering that we are experience, experiencing right now. It may begin for some of us in the, the fears and in the uncertainties of our life at this moment as we gather to hear this word. It may begin in a place of unsettledness for some of you right now, or restlessness in your lives, or even in a place of despair. For some, this spiritual journey that we make may begin from a place of questions right now, or doubt as it did for the disciples in that gospel reading last week. For many, it may begin in a holy longing for some rest, some peace, 
maybe some consolation. Or perhaps for many of us in an eager anticipation of what God might show us or what God can do in and through us as we move forward. It may begin for some of us with a, ha, 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 that's amazing. Or it may begin with a, ha, it's too good to be true. But whatever the case, I think we can all draw deeply from this well today. We can remember from this story what it means to remain wide awake all day long, noticing everything. We can remember what it means to face every day knowing that a stranger that I meet today might in fact turn out to be an angel of God. We can take nothing for granted and we can continue to see everything as granted, but not yet maybe fully grasped. And in all of this, we continue to ask probably the most important question of all, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Thanks be to God. Amen.